We knew exactly how long it would take us to get out of debt, exactly how much money we had to make per month to stay on that program and what we would re, not invest, but what we would use to pay the debt down if we were above. And that was so, like, it, it just had to happen because it gave us confidence of we have a vision, we have a strategy, we know what it needs to look like and we know we can get there. We did get there one month at a time. Having a business debt or deciding to have a business debt isn't a wrongful or shameful action like many mission-driven women entrepreneurs often think. If the decision to take out business debt is conscious and strategic. Or in the case of my guest today, she purchased a business that already had a $95,000 debt at the moment she purchased it. She made a conscious and strategic business decision. That's why she was able to repay the debt in four years with purposeful planning and processes. Today's episode is part of the podcast series, Humility and Resilience. I continue the conversation with mission-driven women entrepreneurs about how they came back up on their feet with humility and resilience after unexpected events crumbling their businesses. Episode 84 about two weeks ago is the first episode in this podcast series. My guest today is Kathleen Black. She is one of Canada's leading real estate coaches and trainer where she coaches real estate agents and teams across North America using the KBCC Ultimate Expansion Strategy that powers her client growth. Kathleen is also the Ultimate Team Summit's driving force, the largest team-specific real estate summit in North America. You're listening to her CEO journey, the business finance podcast for women entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Christina Shahli. If you are new here, a big warm welcome. If we are not connected on LinkedIn, please reach out and say hi, because that's where I hang out and share my business finance tips. If you have been listening to this podcast for a while and you are a regular listener, I want you to know I appreciate you. My podcast won't be around without your support. This is a free weekly show where my guests and I want to inspire you to balance between mission and profit, to create an impact in this world and to achieve financial equality through your business. When a business has the ability to overcome financially stressful events caused by external or internal factors, that's financial resilience. Many business owners don't understand that they cannot accomplish financial resilience without financial knowledge and financial growth. Financial knowledge is about knowing the right tools and processes to check your business financial pulls right now. And financial growth is about planning your business growth through the lens of finance to know if your strategy will result in profitability before you waste more resources. Before you can achieve financial resilience, you must have the financial knowledge and financial growth. Then you are ready to weather financially stressful events. Then you will be eliminating emotional business decision-making when you are stressed out. 
Instead, you are making sound financial business decision because you have the right tools, processes, and plans. By the way, once you listen to today's interview and realize there is a better way to build financial knowledge, growth, and resilience, let's have a chat to see how we can get this in place for you. Book in a time to speak with me at christinashahli.com forward slash let's chat. Let's create a plan. Let's have processes so you are ready to weather the financial storm over the next few months. Now, let's find out Kathleen's CEO journey. Kathleen Black, welcome to her CEO journey. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Christina. So if you can share with the audience, how did you get started, Kathleen? I started off coming from uh, real estate investments, just purchasing properties, uh, turning them into multi-unit. So a lot of sweat equity and, you know, painting and sanding and all that fun stuff, which which is the reason I got into real estate. I got my license and uh, very quickly went through, you know, difficult uh, separation, which happens. And I had to basically sell a lot of real estate to become the breadwinner for myself and my family. And what I found was using, you know, systems, I was able to be a lot more efficient with my time, which was really important. And that led to get into coaching. And once I got into coaching, I actually became the Director of Coaching, Director of Operations at the first uh, team-specific coaching company in real estate in Canada. And it, it was really interesting because coaching is a difficult industry. You know, I kind of joke, it's like restaurants, right? Like it's very difficult. And the coaching company I was working with, you know, had three owners and they had a lot of trouble getting on the same page and, you know, having a similar vision for the company. And it ended up that two of them were going to leave and I just had this realization that, you know, I'm running a company that's in somebody else's name and brand, which was totally fine with me, but that I didn't own. And shortly after it came to my awareness that the company was actually in a lot of debt. And I just had this realization that, you know, I can do this. I can turn this company around. I believe in, you know, coaching and empowerment, but I needed to have, you know, an equal ownership and I needed to have decision-making because I saw what happened when owners were not on the same page. So Long story short, I did. I ended up to uh, become a 50% owner, have sole decision-making, spent, you know, 18 months kind of uh, reinforcing our content, which, you know, anybody listening as a CEO business owner probably can understand that was a really scary decision initially because instead of focusing on cash flow, we focused on client experience and quality. And at the end, that allowed us to, uh, you know, put some holes in the bucket when it came to retention and losing clients. And it turned out the company was, you know, almost $190,000 in debt. So the day I became a 50% owner, I owned half of that debt. All I saw was the opportunity. I came from a psychology background. I was excited about it. And you know what? Uh, Less than four years, well, it didn't take four years, but less than four years later, that debt had all been cleared. First question for you is that, why do you think they got into such a huge debt? What happened? Because you were inside already. It's so very, very important to be on the same page strategically, right? Like your strategy is your vision. You know, where are we investing? Where are we not investing? You know, what do our margins have to look like? Because for a coaching company that are doing multiple events per year, I mean, your costs can can go up very, very quickly when you're flying your whole team to events and things like that. So I, I think, to be honest, I think they got overly confident initially with some initial luck in a new business, a new platform, a new niche that really wasn't being serviced in Canada. 
and they continue to throw cash at it, trying to create that momentum. And unfortunately, what I know now is they were not following, you know, a sound economic model to do that. And unfortunately, they were also doing what a lot of some business owners can get caught in that even if you go bankrupt in Canada, if you owe money for HST, if you owe money for employee deductions, you're still liable for that. And unfortunately, there was a a decent portion of that debt that were in those categories. So what exactly did you do to turn it around in four years? Did you turn it around within a year? No, it did not. It was not turned around within a year. I mean, we had a team, we had salaries, we had overhead. And to change any of that um, at the point when I took over the company would have been far too detrimental to our current client experience. That was not an option. So there was a couple of things that I did in the first year. We came up with a strategy. It wasn't fly by the seat of your pants. I'm always looking at the three different categories. So the first category is, you know, opportunity, all of our marketing, all of our lead conversion, you know, our sales, everything that, you know, translates a potential benefit of working with us to the public. Our second bucket is that experience factor. So now you are a client, you know, you're part of our our extended team. How much value are you seeing in the experience with our company? You know, what is our retention level like? How smooth is it for a coach working with our company to know what's going on with the client, what's going on with our internal team, you know, how well are our systems functioning? Is it a well-oiled machine or is it kind of messy? Is it vague for everybody to know what's happening? And then finally, the third bucket for us is uh, community, which is, you know, past clients as well as existing retention, you know, people referring back, like, do, do they differentiate? Are they kind of raving fans and see what we do that are unique? And like you said, do they know our heart and our values? Do they want to work with us for the, the human factor as well? And I looked at it and I saw we have an ability to sign clients up. Our ability to retain them with this 60 days or money back was, was not good. We're on a team coaching platform where a lot of the teams require, you know, six to eight months to build some foundation to get real like exponential results starting to flow. So there was two key areas in the first 18 months. One was I created an annual product that had much more value and benefit to the client than the month to month product. I deleted the 60 days or money back option. So we made that change, which was fantastic because it gave us more security in the cash flow for the clients we had. We had existing clients move on to the annual. And by a landslide to this day, we've still kept with the changes I made there at the current business. 98% of all of our clients are on annual packages and then they go month to month after. So that gave us more security with cash flow. The second most important thing and most important thing that we did was to say, okay, we were signing up people before, why weren't they staying? And I spent 18 months completely going over all of our content. So updating it, making it a higher mastery level, you know, going to all those nuances that really made it work and made it unique and different from anything else in the market. And that made a massive difference for us. Now, in terms of turning it around in 18 months, like in the financial process that you implement, what exactly did you do? And then clean up the financial to turn it around to profit? Well, there were a couple of ways, like any, any of the out of town events that we ran, one standard that we created was that they had to break even or make money minimum. Um, whereas in the past, we put a lot of money into those events. My business now, Ultimate Team Summit. At the prior company, I ran seven Canadian team summits. So they were a smaller scale um, event. But essentially, 
we made some important changes. Like for example, you know, it was thought that this all, this Canadian team summit should make money uh, stand alone. But the reality was, I mean, at the time it was, you know, we tried to keep it under a $30,000 event, which just to give you perspective, I mean, ultimate team summit is a hundred thousand dollar plus events, right? So we're, we're spending exponentially more. It's a bigger event, but the difference was when we were running the prior company, the mentality was this event should should pay for itself because outside people are spending money on buying tickets, but our clients got free tickets to the event. So it was a little bit of a catch-22 where we're saying we have to sell enough tickets with outside people to cover an event that is designed to create community for our existing clients and connect them with new people who want to know about what we do. So I made a change that a certain amount of money for monthly from every single client went towards Canadian Team Summit so that we were actually using that as part of our retention strategy and investing in our clientele coming together and having more of that analog experience, right? Like that real life in-person experience that's so important for people who are in community-based coaching programs, which, which ours is. So that made a big difference instead of seeing that as, you know, part of our cash flow for our percentage of marketing and things like that. We allocated a certain amount that went to investing in them and made that event part of their annual platform. So that made a big, big difference. The other thing that I did that was crucial, I could have never, ever cleared the debt in the way we did without having a strong framework for monthly financials. So we created a multi-page document that was unique to our company that gave me at my fingertips all of the financial data, all of the company performance data that I needed at any given month. So I could be 60 to 90 days ahead of what's happening. And that included, you know, how many people were on annual programs, how many were on month to month, how many had an expiry date coming up. I knew all of this because we still offered month to month and annual. That was so key. Because anytime there was extra cash that I could see there, I could make a decision to put it on the debt. We had programs in place to have prepayment or monthly payment. We knew exactly how long it would take us to get out of debt, exactly how much money we had to make per month to stay on that program and what we would re, not invest, but what we would use to pay the debt down if we were above. And that was so, like, it it just had to happen because it gave us confidence of we have a vision, we have a strategy, we know what it needs to look like and we know we can get there. And we did get there one month at a time. Hmm. So what about the previous owner? Did you create that multi-page financial? Was it in place already before? Was it there or did you create it on your own? No, I created it with my team. So we had an operations, like an admin operations-ish person. They weren't technically operations. We had a one-page document from prior to when I was there. And we afterwards created, I think it was six different pages or tabs that all coordinated with each other. And that was given to me per month. So no, it was not in place prior. They had something, but it was not to nearly, like I said, it was a one page versus six. Like there was a lot more information I needed to manage that project. Okay. Can you share? Are the information included in that multi-page? Is it profit and loss only? Is it a cash flow projection? Is it a balance sheet? Is it a revenue projection? Yeah, great question. So it was a monthly, first of all, yes, profit and loss for sure. And that included all of the expenses. So I could see everything per month that we were spending money on, which was really, really key. 
because as a lot of people listening probably know, I mean, as a business, you can sign up for, you know, this new plugin for the website or some other package and eventually you're not even using it. So every single month I knew every expense that was happening with the company. Like I said, I had a list of every single client that was with us, what coaching level they were at, what amount they were paying per month, if their annual membership was up and they were month to month or not. I had a list of everybody on hold when they'd be coming back on hold. I had a cash flow projection done quarterly. So we would quarterly look at, you know, based on where we're at now and our like expenses from last year, are we up or are we down? And with our current expenses, you know, our projections, um, if any clients were canceling, for example, or going on hold, exactly what we'd be up or what we'd be down those, those for those months. I had sheets for exactly every area of debt we owed. So, you know, anything that was with the CRA for anyone um, not in Canada, the, the Canadian establishment that we owed money to, we had it separate for HST versus employee source deductions. We had, like I said, our payments monthly, how many more payments we had to make, you know, exactly how much we owed to a penny in all of those areas was included there. We had pages for uh, exactly what our staff or our team, not our staff, what our team made for that particular month, what our coaches made for that particular month. And then of course we had at the end, like you said, are we in profit? Are we in loss? Anything outstanding for um, old debt, anything like that. So I had all of that in front. I'm sure I'm missing things. I'm trying to visualize the document in front of me right now. Um, but, but as an owner, like it was amazing because I could see your numbers, but like I could see everything. A lot of people are scared or a lot of entrepreneurs are scared, especially women, scared to look at, to envision, you know, like 90 days from now, 12 months from now, 24 months from now, Right. Personally, as you know, I find it very critical because if you have a vision, you have to be able to take that larger vision and then break it down into smaller chunk. And then in a finance term, you know, if you have a five years vision, for example, you need if you want to scale a business, you know, like you have a huge coaching business like in Canada, right? You have an event the the planning you know, year one, year two, year three, like it has to be structure in my opinion. Yeah. Well, we have, well, we have goals for the year. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like there's goals for number of coaching clients. Right. And we break that down into how many, like here, how many leads do we need? How many strategy calls? Like all of that is, is known. So when I say the cash flow, it's more just to make sure that like we know, uh, you know, big event expenses are coming up or, you know, we'll divide things over the year. Like it's amazing because as a business owner, like I'm ahead of the curve. So I can see exactly like if we're on the plus, if we're adding clients, I can see if we've got, you know, three people who are canceling and that's going to happen two months from now. And that's going to affect our, our bottom line quite seriously. Like I can jump and hustle into sales to prevent any issues. Right. But if I didn't have that information at all times, like I'm just disconnected from the business. I mean, this particular business we're in now, because we're not it, like it, it's been very different to build it because we're not coming out of any debt. Like this was cash flow positive yep. the from we the very running. beginning. Yeah. So it was a completely different. So I mean, do I look at our numbers to the extent that I did at the prior business? Yeah, not as much. Like I don't look at that six page document every single month here, I know the number of clients, I know the cash flow, I know the expenses, I know our reserves, I know all the key indicators. But at the other company, because of the situation we were in, I had to be so careful to get us into a place where I can do what I'm doing now. So it was amazing for me because it gave me full confidence that our strategy was going to work, 
we were going to get out of debt, that our company was providing value to the public, money was coming in, our clientele was growing, but really important, our retention doubled with the changes we made. And that was so key because you're signing up clients, but then they're leaving. So it's like you get this small burst of cash flow, and then the clients are gone. And worse than that, you have bad will in the market because when people aren't happy, they tell people. I always think of a business as a machine, right? Like every single part of that machine has to work together. Where is your lead generation? Who are the client that you currently have? Then after that, you also understand that you have to manage the debt. You have to manage the cash flow because you have team to pay. Right. So that is the financial piece. Again, the financial piece wouldn't work either if you don't have the clients, if you don't retain the clients. So everything, in my opinion, everything has to work together. It's not only the marketing. It's not only the finance. It's not only the client retention. Everything has to work together. There's got to be a system. Absolutely. It all works together. And the tracking and which system to look at, like now we've invested so much in the client experience that we're going, hey, if we continue to grow just based on, you know, predictable repeat and return, we're not, we're not going to hit our, our marks, right? So now, because we know those numbers, we're investing heavily into, you know, marketing our opportunity, like lead generation, because why have this great platform without more people experiencing it? But that all comes from understanding, you know, the different numbers and the different multipliers within my business during the hiring process, during the scaling process, right? Did you determine like what is the percentage that you're going to invest? Did you do like a long-term projection? And then if it was, then how long were you projecting or were you planning? Well, our vision is 18 months, right? Our projections for growth, like we already have them are, are for this year and then our five-year numbers. Like we know what all of that, what that is a hundred percent. But right now making decisions in my business, my vision is 18 months for like our in-house team. My vision for the company is, is right now is rough is five years is our big, big mandate. And then who do you have in your finance team? We have offsite bookkeeper. We have an accountant. Then I have like a strategic wealth support who's kind of giving me, you know, advice on, on what to do strategically if I'm now that I am leaving more money in the corporation because before I was reinvesting it all. So those people help us to get organized. So yeah, we get profit and loss from our bookkeeper every single month. You know, I see though all of those numbers. I review our bank accounts. I review the number of clients that we have. I'm seeing all of that. But for our business, it's, a, it's very easy for us to do the projections because it's all client-based, right? Like we have our event platform. So we know exactly how many leads it takes to take get a strategy call, how many strategy calls to get a new client. And we know exactly how many clients we need to hit our five-year and, and, and 18-month goals. So we've already reverse engineered it all. So we know from that, we know the goal for the sales department. We know the goal for the marketing department, right? The operations department knows what they need to do to market the events and keep everything moving forward. So everybody has their metrics and those metrics all line up to us hitting our financial projections. That's what... (laughs) Thanks for explaining that. That's exactly what I always talk about. Like each department have their own metrics. And then when you are creating... A financial projection, it's not about the finance. It's about all the other departments and then how those metrics are coming together to achieve your goal. Yeah, it has to be aligned, right? I agree with you for sure. What would be your advice for women entrepreneurs to achieve financial independence, Kathleen? That's a great, great question. And I'll just say it on here. I released, uh, did the pre-release actually of my book, The Top 1% Life. Yes. We're super excited. It went bestseller in like six categories as a new release. So that was great. And a publisher has picked it up. So it's actually going to be in books, uh, bookstores, 
as of February 2021, but in the middle, it'll go on Audible and then we'll have print. Essentially, when I started to write the book, I needed to envision, you know, my ideal reader. And my ideal reader was a woman with uh, children, with responsibilities, who had built a thriving business, but just didn't have anything left for themselves and was making sure all their team members had this great quality of life, but they just didn't have it. And, and I think it's, it's a common story, right? But I think for women as entrepreneurs, we need, to, we need to build up our confidence in our offering, whether that be a service or a product, and know specifically what value we bring to the world. Because I think end of the day, you know, we can look at all these statistics as female entrepreneurs and say, we're not getting the same funding. We're not getting, you know, venture capital money. We're not, and we're not, right? Like percentage-wise, you know, women entrepreneurs, women-led businesses are performing exceptionally well. And the ones that have our multicultural are performing exponentially even better than just women led like we know this these are statistics facts statistical facts but we're not getting the investment dollars and i want to flip it over a little bit and say that might actually be one of the greatest impetus for a lot of the amazing companies that we're seeing come up and do so well because when you don't have that initial investment you hit the ground running and you create cash flow on your own. You become so connected with what value you're bringing to the market. And I believe that gives us a unique edge. Like for me with this company, there's no way I wanted to take on any debt, any outside money. And so many people I talk to about building a team or building a business, like, well, I need investors or I need to get a loan. Some businesses, yeah, you do, of course. I'm not saying every business doesn't need that. But for a lot of them, I mean, you can test the market and see where you can create cash flow. And as soon as you can create cash flow, again, you have a multiplier, like confidently lean into that and know what, what life you want by your terms. And I found it was really important for me to get in tune with who am I, what do I value, where do I want to go and only allow people with similar values to me to give me constructive criticism and give me advice. And that, that made a, a huge, huge difference for me. And just put all your energy and forward momentum, right? Like be really careful about who you get in business with. Like that, oh, that yes. helped me back significantly. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh I, I, I hear you. And then I think a lot of people think that when they get funding from external investor, it's equal to success and the business is going to grow or the business is going to scale. But that's not always the case because you need to find the right partner. And then I think with your story, you knew that, right? Like, I mean, the, the previous company didn't, you know, the three partners did, didn't have the same vision. So I hear you. Where can people find you, Kathleen? Well, two ways. So, I mean, for a digital free copy of the book, it's top one as the number percentlife.com. For our company, it is it takes a dot team. It takes a dot team. And we have free strategy calls, business assessment. Thank you so much for being here, Kathleen. Thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure. Thank you, Christine. I think it's so important what you're sharing. It's, it's like the financial side is so uh, crucial. Thank you so much. And that's bring us to the end of another show. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Her CEO Journey, the business finance podcast for women entrepreneurs. If you want to create a proactive financial plan and process for your business, so you are ready to weather the financial storm over the next few months. Let's chat and see what's possible for you. Book in a time to speak with me at christinashahli.com forward slash let's chat.